Hello, and welcome to episode number 70 of Great Hearts Table. I'm glad you've come by. I'm Randy Greenwald. Sometimes I suppose I come across as if I'm intending to lay down some final word on some subject. That's not always meant to be the case. Yes, I guess sometimes that's what I'm thinking. But really, in general, my comments are meant to provoke thought, and I welcome pushback or feedback. Of course, you can always do that by shouting, that's ridiculous, or amen at your speakers. Or you can email or post comments at greatheartstable.substack.com. Or you can review this on whatever platform that delivers this podcast to you, or better still, encourage others to tune in. But in all of this, as this episode suggests, try not to be snarky. Engagement, not insult, is always better, and in the end, more Christ-like. Thanks for joining us around Great Hearts Table. book of Job is to watch the characters hurl pointed words at each other. No doubt you are the people, and wisdom will die with you, mocks Job. Eliphaz counters, should a wise man answer with windy knowledge? Not very winsome, these guys. And I note that because in my itty-bitty corner of the Christian world, winsome has fallen on hard times. It's weak, we're told. It's the pathway for compromise, a slippery slope. And it's worth noting being winsome is an excruciatingly slow path to internet renown. In any event, winsome in my world has always had to fight off its challengers as a way of managing disagreement. The art of the snarky jibe has been for some time worn as a badge of honor. Gary North in 1985 championed Greg Bonson's By This Standard by daring opponents to play Bambi against Bonson's Godzilla. The clever backstab was Doug Wilson's stock and trade long before the internet was a gleam in its creator's eyes, and in Mark Driscoll's young, restless, and reform stage, he said he was just like the old Calvinist, just nicer, all the while perfecting his poisonous repartee. Social media has simply made this long-established practice easier and more quickly rewarded. It doesn't seem to matter that the insult has been tried and found wanting. Clever and hurtful words fly, and fans cheer, even though no minds are changed and no hearts reached. Years ago, I listened to a series of lectures from a national conference addressing the doctrine of creation. The platform was studded with a who's who of respected evangelicals, and one after the other, these preachers and theologians spoke with mocking condescension toward their opponents. Were I one with sympathies for a contrary position, I would have walked away, having heard nothing, and only more deeply determined myself to keep my distance. To be winsome is to listen, to understand, and then to speak in a way that will be heard. If we want the truth of historic Christianity to be understood by a confused and aimless world, winsomeness is our friend and insult our vice. If it's Jesus we want to present, approaching others in a Jesus-like way seems the sensible path. Now, Jesus and Paul both use powerful pictorial imagery at times, aimed at targets proven already to be deaf to them. Jesus calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs, and Paul labels the Judaizers dogs. But those really are the exception. On the whole, their words were marked with charity. 
They spoke in ways that could be heard. Paul, on Mars Hill, gathered up the language of his listeners and deployed it so that the offense of the resurrection might land on more receptive hearts. That is, he was winsome. Peter's passion for others to understand and embrace the truth led him to honest and direct preaching. He modeled, and he taught, though, that the way for truth to be heard was to adorn it with gentleness and respect. Paul challenges us to bear the family likeness of Jesus' brothers and sisters, or to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. He parades before us a list of attributes that seem startlingly nice. Our words are to be only such as are good for building up. We are to have nothing to do with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. We're to be known as those who are kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. These things don't come without effort, and they certainly don't gain the acclaim that comes from the clever one-liner. But they are like Jesus, and that matters. It's not insignificant that insult and sarcasm had no place in the rhetorical toolkit of men like John Stott. It was empathy and winsomeness that gave his words their power, and his Christ-like character led people to listen. It shouldn't be that hard to speak charitably, to hear what is good in those whose views or actions we oppose, and to speak unto that in a way that can be heard should be the norm. But it takes time and certainly gains no popular attention and no new followers. Shaming, on the other hand, is quick and quickly rewarded. And though wrong, it's hard to police. One man's heartless slander is another's boldness. Snark may be a sin for which no earthly discipline exists. Reportedly, Robert E. Lee once said, It is well that war is so terrible, or we should grow too fond of it. We've grown too fond of the smart-ass insult because we have closed our eyes to the terrible devastation it leaves in its wake. My heart breaks over the mess our verbal cleverness has made of Christianity's public witness. The urge to find the tender spot in our opponent's armor and to exploit it so that they might bleed is an ever-present temptation. At times I've wished I were better at it. In the end, I'm glad that I'm not. Greatheart's Table is published on the first, second, and fourth Mondays of each month in both audio and print format. Thanks to Over the Rhine for permission to use their wonderful songs, All My Favorite People, and Called Home. And thanks to you for listening. I am Randy Greenwald, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Oviedo, Florida. Just shy of breaking down, there's a bend in the road that I have found called home. Take a left of loneliness, there's a place to find forgiveness called home.